0: Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the No podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever-so-slight Apple bias. Today is Sunday, December 29th, 2019, and this is show number 764, the last show of the decade. Anyway, I hope you all had great holidays, no matter what you celebrate and with whom. We had a wonderful time with our family, thanks to the No who contributed to the shows last week, This week, and even next week, and possibly beyond. This week will be just three segments, but I think you'll enjoy all of them. I'm going to start the ball rolling with my description of how many tech things went wrong in a single day for me. I wrote them down. Then your favorite and mine, Frank Petrie, aka Wheels Online, will give us a run-through of some of his favorite menu bar apps. I sure hope Frank keeps doing these reviews because I think he's got a real knack for it. He's entertaining and yet informative. Now, remember a while ago, Dorothy told us about her quest for a new secure email system. She described her goals and her plan of attack, but she hadn't yet begun, begun her discovery and search. Well, she's back with the results of her quest. And uh, Dorothy and I decided that it would be more fun as a dialogue rather than a monologue. So I get to talk to her about her process. If you've got even one tiny OCD bone in your body, you're going to get a real kick out of listening to Dorothy describe the rigor she used to choose an email provider. She also made some really cool tech discoveries along the way that I think can benefit many of us. And we've got contributions on deck for next week and even the week after by George from Tulsa, Jill, Kaylee, and Alistair. So it's going to be a fun couple of weeks for me. Well, before we dig in, I want to tell the live show crew that there, if there is a live show next week, it will be on Saturday, January 4th, 2020, not Sunday. CES starts on Monday the 6th, so we drive out on Sunday afternoon. Stay tuned in our Slack group or Facebook group or my or, Steve or Steve's Twitter account to find out if we're doing one on Saturday. It's usually a pretty light audience if we move the day, but it also has the advantage of making it easier for people in distant time zones to attend. I guess what, let's do it this way. If you're passionate about us doing it on Saturday, ping me and encourage me to do it. That could make the difference. Well, very late in 2018, Tom Merritt asked me to come on the Daily Tech News Show to make predictions on tech for 2019. He also asked Shannon Morris, Justin Robert Young, and of course his co-host Sarah Lane to join in the fun. They record these predictions each year and then at the end of the year, we get to record again and talk about how well we did. There's a point system to decide who wins for the year, too. I am terrible at predicting the future. It's like I'm just completely blind to what could happen. So I decided to crowdsource my predictions to the Silla Castaways. And guess what? You guys rock at this. I don't want to spoil the fun, but we did pretty darn well. Anyway, I've included a link in the show notes to the 2019 Predictions Results Show. Uh, it's also called DTNS 3686. You can watch the video yourself right at, the, at the, uh, the website link that I gave you, or you can listen at the audio link. But of course, the best way to get it is to subscribe to Daily Tech News Show in your podcatcher of choice to get the audio version. Have you noticed lately that lots of tech things have little tiny glitches, annoyances, and things that just don't work right sometimes? The other day I noticed that it was relentless all day long how many things didn't quite work. It wasn't just my Mac or just my iPhone. It was every single bit of tech I touched and every app I used. I decided that the next day I would record every single thing that didn't work properly for me. I'll let you decide if it's my imagination that a lot of stuff goes wrong nowadays. Now, I want you to note that very few of these are catastrophic failures. A few of them are, but most of them are kind of the paper-cut category of failure, not hatchet wound level failures. But like I said, they were relentless all day long. Are ready? Here's my record of all of the tech that didn't work properly in some way in a single day. 6.40 a.m., an alarm went off on my watch that I never set. 17am, I had to try three times to accept a Grammarly suggestion in Safari. At 7.27am, the format painter stopped working in Excel. I can select a cell with formatting, tap the format painter, and the icon changes to the cursor with a plus sign, but tapping in another cell does not paste the format. I tried using the menu to paste format, that doesn't work either. I quit Excel and reopened it. Paste format worked exactly one time only. Never did I get this fixed. This is still broken to this day. At 7.32 a.m., I had three Excel windows open, and the series name from the spreadsheet two below what I was working on popped over the current spreadsheet. It's not supposed to do that. At 7.39 a.m., I was exporting a video file from Capto, and it, it exported before I finished typing the name. One minute later at 7:40 a.m., I tried to record the format pasting problem from Excel using Capto. Video and audio are out of sync on the captured video so badly that I'm pointing at the wrong cell when I'm explaining my selections. Eight minutes later at 7:48 a.m., remember me singing the, vi- the virtues of Flotato. That's the app that lets you create web apps of popular services that don't have dedicated Mac apps. I like to use the Flotato version of Facebook, but it wouldn't let me upload a photo when I wanted to. At 8.13am, the iPad defaulted to all caps when I awakened it, as it often does. I am really tired of this bug that was introduced in iPad OS 13. Three minutes later at 8.16am. I love continuity. You know, that's the set of features allowed you to move seamlessly between iOS and macOS and even between Macs. One of the great features in Continuity is how you can copy something on one device and simply paste in the other. I use it all the time to type a text message to an Android user using my Mac and then paste it on my iPhone into Messages. But both of my MacBook Pros started displaying a pop-up saying, copying one item from the other one. I wasn't copying. I didn't copy on either one of them. I uh, so this this pop up was up and there was a dismiss X, but I could hit it and it would sometimes temporarily remove it, but it would come back up. And like I said, I hadn't copied anything on either Mac, so I don't know why it was trying to tell me that it was trying to copy. I had just awakened them both when this started happening. One minute later, at eight seventeen a.m., I got a spinning pizza wheel in Notes trying to paste in a screenshot of that copy pop up I was just describing. I had to force quit and then document the failure using a different Mac. One minute later, Text Expander refused to expand my snippet for MacBook Pro on the note I was writing about the pop-up that I was trying to paste the note into back at 8.16 a.m. I had to type out MacBook Pro like an animal. By the way, if you're counting, that's three bugs in three minutes so far. 8.28 a.m. My Tesla showed low tire pressure the day before on the big display. Sure enough, when we checked the tires by hand, two of them were low. We filled up all four of the tires. However, the following day, the alert icon was still showing on screen. Even though on the same screenshot I I put in the show notes, you can see the tire inflation screen shows that the tires are all filled appropriately. So why is the alert still on screen? 8.32 a.m. I took that photo of the the, uh, Tesla screen to show you that alert icon about the tires. I used Apple's action menu to copy that photo and I pasted it into notes. And iOS pasted a link to Overcast to the podcast I was listening to. So that was super helpful. 8.35 a.m. I paused a podcast using the on-screen controls in the Tesla and a minute or two later, I tried to tell it to play again. But the play button was grayed out. I had to pull out my phone and play within Overcast. Now, I'm not sure if that was Tesla's fault, Overcast's fault, or iOS 13's fault, or perhaps all three of them were colluding against me. 9.21 a.m. Do you realize we're still in the 9 o'clock hour? That's how like we are at 15 separate items. Anyway, 9.21 a.m. The Ring app alerted me to someone at my front door. I tapped the alert, which opened the Ring app like it should. But at that moment, Ring said, Did you know you can have two-factor authentication? Well, I'm not against that or anything, but I didn't want to do it right now. I wanted to see who was at my door, but I could not bypass the offer of 2FA to get to the alert to see my front door. I think I should get to choose when to do 2FA. I don't think you should stop me from seeing my front door when you do that. 9.53 a.m., number 16, I keep getting notifications from Telegram of new messages on iOS, but the app itself was spinning with the word Connecting. You know, like I didn't have an internet access. But I'm getting the notifications, and I can read the full messages in notifications, so I know I'm connected. Telegram is just spinning. nine fifty five a m. We are still not at ten o'clock. On iPhone, I swipe down to search for an app. I typed dr, and before I could finish, messages opened up and started to send a message to my friend Ron. Ron does not have a Dr in his name. Last time I checked, you don't spell messages with a dr in it either i was trying to get to drive but no i got messages with a message to run 10 a.m i set a reminder for 10 a.m that day to d- visit a specific store before driving home from the gym because i knew at 10 i wouldn't have left the area of the gym yet so it would remind me to go visit that store but i got home around 10 30 and that's when i got the reminder no watch tap No phone notification. And I was absolutely looking at my phone right around 10 a.m. But that notification didn't come until 10.30 when I was long away from the store. 10.22 a.m. I dictated a reminder into my watch where I said, Hey Siri, try Klaus extension when I get home. And it exactly captured what I said. Siri then responded by saying, Sorry, I didn't catch that. And she did not set the reminder for me. Now, this is what I wrote back on the 22nd when this happened, but looking back at it, I think this may have been operator trouble, because you notice she didn't record me saying, remind me, so perhaps she didn't understand the rest of my message. But the next error was all apples, because at 10.22am, I took a screenshot of that reminder not working on my watch, but it never came into photos. At 1024 AM, I got into the car and I hit play on my phone and it started playing a song by something called Weezer. Now you may recall the last thing I was playing was a podcast in Overcast. You may also recall that I don't listen to music. So why was it playing this Weezer thing? 1048 AM. I copied part of one of these notes to paste into a tweet on my Mac. Attempting this delicate maneuver caused both TweetBot and Notes to hang up Then Excel jammed up just in solidarity. When I forced quit Excel, Microsoft error reporting hung up next. (laughs) Seriously. Also, restarting both TweetBot and Notes caused them to hang again. I couldn't quit anything. I couldn't even get to the Apple logo to restart because all I had left was a spinning pizza wheel. I was forced to hold down the power button on my laptop for a hard reboot. Now let's recall this is on a 16-inch MacBook Pro with a clean install of macOS Catalina. I didn't even migrate all of my applications. Every single app was a manual install, so I didn't bring any craft with me. This is not my fault. 10.56 a.m., after the reboot, my Mac Mac decided that the internal display should be the primary display, even though the external display was in charge before the hard reboot. We are not at noon yet, people. Number 24. At 11.25 a.m., Backblaze popped up asking me to re-enable location service, or I should say enable location services, so they can help me find my Mac if it's stolen. The pop-up had two buttons. One said, Open Location Services, but the other one says, and I'm not joking, capital E-R-R underscore cancel underscore button underscore text. Just thinking that's not exactly what they meant to show me. 11.54 a.m., Spotlight failed to look in contacts when I entered a name into Spotlight. I verified that Spotlight preferences should be searching contacts. And you know what, while we're at it, Spotlight won't find any of my preference panes either, even though System Preferences is also on the list of things to search. Did I remember to tell you this is a clean install of macOS Catalina? We are finally at noon, people. Number 26. I had a Safari window open to appleid.apple.com. I left it alone for a while, so it disconnected me, you know, as a security measure, which is great. When I went back and just happened to glance at it, I noticed that the window was asking for my fingerprint, but I didn't need to go back in, so I didn't give it my fingerprint. I later realized that I could not close that window. I couldn't switch to any other tabs and close them either. I could, however, open new windows that worked just fine. I could not, however, quit Safari. I finally resorted to force quitting Safari. Now, Let's, let's note that I only rebooted this back uh, like less than an hour ago, and it's only noon. One twenty-six p.m. It took me 13 days for my full-size images in my photos library to download to my new Mac. That's a whole story in itself, but you know, I've got like a 700 gig photos library, so it's pretty much always a, a nightmare when I get a new device or I get to do a clean install. There's always a story about my photos, but that's not important right now. Anyway, throughout the process of downloading all my photos, syncing of photos between my Mac and iOS devices continued to work flawlessly, so I was relatively patient. Anyway, the night before I started recording all of these problems, the download finally finished on my new Mac. But I had four photos now on my phone that weren't syncing over to the Mac. The best part is it said updating three items. So it's not even counting correctly. What it's not doing because there were four photos that weren't synced. All right, right, 1.39 p.m., number twenty-eight. After rebooting from the earlier lockup, I tried Excel Format Painter again, and guess what? It worked once. Not working again, so I tried using the menus. I discovered that paste formatting is grayed out, and no matter how, in no manner of menu picks, including the option key, lets me do anything but a regular copy. I thought I'd try Excel help, which is nearly always helpful, but help was a white window with a spinning gear for more than five minutes. I finally gave up and quit. 4.45 p.m. Notice uh, more than three hours have gone by because I took an extensive break from tech and I went for a walk. 1.71 miles into my three-mile walk with a heart rate of 103 beats per minute, Apple Watch said, so you done with your workout? (laughs) No, I'm not. My heart rate's 103. I'm walking here. 5.40 p.m. I was typing in a name for an image in Apple Photos, and partway through, the keyboard lost focus, and the Mac started bonking as I typed, because I wasn't in a text field anymore. I had to move the cursor back into the field so I could finish typing. Now, an important thing is, I'm on a laptop, but this was on an external keyboard, so I'm not accidentally dragging the cursor by inadvertent uh, you know trackpad touches. It just loses focus. Anyway, I think that might be what happened. No, no, that was another problem. Anyway, 6.13 p.m., Hindenburg Journalist, my digital audio workstation where I record my podcast, wasn't obeying its own settings on which speakers to use. I had to set it to the wrong output and then put it back to the right output. Seven minutes later at 6.20 p.m., Hindenburg Journalist crashed when I tried to arm a track, which is what you have to do in order to record. 8.58 p.m., number 33. Apple TV search worked once, but when we went back to search it again, it wouldn't let us back into the search field. Luckily, the iPhone asked if it could help out, and the remote app let me type in the search field. 9.24 p.m., on Apple TV Music, we selected Frank Sinatra's O Little Town of Bethlehem, and it played Ray Conniff singing a completely different Christmas song. 9.31 p.m., my Apple Watch Series 5 went into low power mode. Come on, 10:06 p.m. The iPhone 11 Pro went into low power mode as well. I never get to low power mode on the 11 Pro, and almost never on the Series Five Watch. Why did it die that night? Maybe because of all these failures going on. At 11:33 p.m., I recorded the last of the failures. This is number 36, and I actually figured out that it happened the next day, but I, it counts at this day because it happened at 11:33 p.m. because my Carbon Copy Cloner backups started running at 11.33pm, but my Mac was supposed to be sleeping. The backups in Carbon Copy Cloner are set to not run if the Mac is asleep. Now, I don't think this is a Carbon Copy Cloner pro- problem, but rather the fact that my Mac just doesn't sleep through the night. It wakes up. Did I remember to tell you that this is a clean install of Mac OS Catalina? <laughs> All right, that's the 36 failures I recorded in a single day. And I'm telling you, these, these weren't all horrible problems, like I said. But to review, let me list the devices and apps that gave me grief all in one day. Apple Watch Alarm App. Grammarly, Excel, Capto, Flotato, iPad keyboard, continuity on macOS, notes, text expander, Tesla tire pressure, Tesla audio player, iOS paste, ring, telegram, iOS spotlight, tweetbot macOS display preferences, backblaze, macOS spotlight, Safari photos on iOS, Apple Watch workouts, keyboard focus on macOS, Hindenburg Journalist, Apple TV search, Apple TV music, batteries, and macOS sleep. Can't help but hear Steve Jobs saying during WWDC 2011, it just works.
1: Hi, my name is Frank Petrie, and today I'd like to talk a bit about my menu bar favorites. The reason I was drawn to the Mac in the first place was as plain and simple as myself. It was the GUI. I didn't have to know anything about computers. I could completely focus on creating musical compositions, videos, or my writing. I even taught myself some HTML5 and CSS, then carved my work onto stone tablets, but mainly it was a tool for creation. Because of the GUI, I didn't have a steep learning curve. Being uneducated and seeing as basically the only thing I retain is water, this was an absolute boon. Now, what really sold me was the concept of the menu bar. For me, the dock is basically eye candy except for those apps that don't afford me the use of the menu bar for launching. For me, the menu bar is indispensable. Depending on your workflow, how many and which icons you have will vary. I thought I would share with you a handful of apps I interact with constantly and solely through the menu bar. Number one, Setapp there isn't anything I can't access through SetApp's menu icon. Plus, with notifications turned on, and I'm very particular with which notifications I permit, I'm always up to date on which apps I have installed, whether they be for regular use, demoing, or SetApp's latest arrivals. Select any app and receive an explanation of its function, capabilities, and screenshots. Number two, Text Expander. Text Expander saves me countless time and keystrokes, even though I don't use it anywhere near as much as people who produce, say, large amounts of business correspondence. The great thing for me is that I can go to the icon, click on it, and down will cascade a list of items, my folders of expandable text and their hotkeys. Again, Because of my lack of retention, I never remember most hotkeys. So I just locate the text I need and click on it. This is a godsend. Number three, clean my Mac 10. Mac Paul created this app long before the formation of SetApp. I was a fan of it then, and it only keeps getting more invaluable as they continue to add more functionality. Every day, I run a smart scan, check for malware, and double check for app updates. Number four, Mac Updater. Another app I use daily. For whatever reason, from time to time, both the App Store and Clean My Mac 10 will miss an app update. For me, Mac Updater is the final word that everything that I have is up to date. Number five, Sound source. Sound source is an app that no one should be without. Not only do I have access to my global sound settings, but I can pick any app and direct its output to my built-in speakers, my headphones, or my external monitors. I can also adjust the EQ for each app individually, and set chosen app to a specific volume and even add individual sound effects. And finally, Bartender. Without Bartender, I couldn't corral the countless menu bar icons that I have installed. Facilitating my love for menu bar apps, Bartender allows me to organize my icons into two levels, which I can set up as I wish. For example, I could keep my most used items on the primary level while placing the occasionally used items on the secondary level, switching between the two at my discretion. And I can also assign various functions by creating hotkeys. There are some caveats, however. The biggest one being which apps do you turn on at login? Now, I have an iMac that's plugged into the wall. So I don't have to worry about any power issues. But if you're on the road with a laptop running on battery power, this could be an issue. As each login stakes a chunk of RAM for itself. At login, I only launch the apps I constantly use daily. I can always launch the other apps as needed. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Apple's use of the menu bar. There's the clock, access to Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, AirPlay, Time Machine, and others. So there you have it. Perhaps the menu bar doesn't fit into your workflow. But for me, my workflow would slow to a crawl without it.
0: Did I tell you Frank was awesome? Man, I love his stuff. This is perfect. And uh, yeah, if you're addicted to menu bar apps, uh, you absolutely need uh, Bartender. That's for sure. I live on Bartender. So guess what Michael Reisner did? Out of the blue, he PayPal'd me some money to help the show. How cool is that? I think he's a gentleman and a scholar, and he knows the importance of supporting the art and craft of podcasting. If you'd like to be a gentlewoman or gentleman like Michael, just go to podfeet.com PayPal and choose a single-time donation amount. You can even send it to me in euro like Michael did, and PayPal will do the conversion for us. Thank you so much, Michael. You rock. I'd like to welcome back to the show, Dorothy, also known as Mac Lurker in the live chat room and over in our Slack community, and also known as my teaching assistant on Programming by Stealth. Welcome back to the show, Dorothy. It's good to be back. Well, the last time we talked to you was in uh, August, and you were working on trying to transfer over from your previous old and busted, uh, insecure email system to something new and shiny and, and, uh, hopefully secure. And, uh, I was hoping to get you back here where we could walk through what you've done and the kind of the process you followed. I don't think it's really important where you ended up as much as I think it's got a lot of interest for the listeners, how you got there and and the process that you followed. Does that sound like a good place for us to start?
2: Yeah, I think so. I've got a lot, gotten a lot done since then, and, um, I'm happy to share it. All right. Very cool. So why don't you recap where you started? Well, as you said, I wanted to change to a secure email provider that would get me privacy and anonymity. And of course, new and shiny was important too. Uh, I wanted to get rid of the old email address. I wanted to improve my email handling and storing and develop a consistent email schema that would separate critical emails from non-critical. The current system or the old system is was just sort of it just sort of grew haphazardly and i want to have a little something a little more organized so i think
0: that's one of the things i love about you is your procedural you're really good at laying out a process when when i went to do my home remodel i just used dorothy's notes i mean i i I picked her uh her contractor um i used all of her advice on you know what toilet to buy the whole thing it was uh, because it was all in spreadsheets and everything right
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, if I didn't have spreadsheets, I don't think I'd get anything done. (laughs) But this also kind of takes me back to when I was working in aerospace, and we had processes documented for everything, and it was kind of a pain to go through them. But I did learn that sometimes that really helps to get everything laid out and make sure you haven't overlooked anything. So... Yeah, she it's keeps trying to, me to me. do that
0: on my uh, on my programming, where I just want to go in and start coding, and she's like, "Well, where do you want to end up? I don't know, but look, I wrote all this code, <laughs> which is why hers works, mine doesn't. But anyway, that's not what
2: we're talking about today. So, uh, where did you where did you start this process? Well, the whole thing the thing that kicked it off was was Bart and his uh, security um, security bits, and at one point, he had listed Google alternatives for email. Now, Google has some nice free emails, but the, the cost for that is your, all your data that gets read, every email you send in gets, gets read. And I wanted not to have to do that. So I started out with this list, uh, I did some research on them, I created a template so that I could make sure I was collecting the same kind of information for everybody that I was considering to make sure everything was consistent and just make it easy to compare, you know, apples to apples for each provider. What tool did you so, use for the for the template? Uh, I used uh, Microsoft Word. Really? I just made a table. Yeah, I just made a table and I just put a bunch of stuff in there. And it's like, well, like, what's it going to cost? And anyway, we'll go into that I think later. Okay. But, yeah. So I started out. I made this template. I collected the list. Okay, I want to check out this these seven or eight different uh, email providers and uh, see who comes out on top.
0: I think that's a good way to do it because you, you're literally doing what you always preach to me, which is you're figuring out where do I want to end up? Well, these are the things that are important to me because it's easy to get distracted to go, Oh, look, this one has emoji. <laughs>
2: when yeah. and, you know,
0: That's nice and everything. But if it's not your critical list and you're missing something critical, you wouldn't end up where you wanted to be.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So, What were your criteria? Uh, let's see. Well, the first one was cost. Like I wanted To make sure i was paying something so that i was sure that the email business you know that i was the customer i was not the product that i would pay them something and in return they would give me the security and the anonymity that i was looking for but i didn't want to have to pay too much but not too little so that was one of the items
0: i think that's that's really critical to think about in the context of who dorothy is dorothy hates more than almost anything wasting money Right. You're willing to pay for something that's important to you. And this is a case of where, like you say, you want to make sure you're buying this service, not selling yourself for that service.
2: Right. So if you're willing
0: to pay for it, that meant something. It means something to me more than uh, other people who just pay for everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like to be careful about what I pay for. So, yeah. 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 And then the other the next criteria kind of come under ease of use like, can I use the native Mac OS and iOS email clients so I can use the same interface that I've been using <clears throat> excuse me, for, for all these years and it'll still interact with the, with the new provider and make sure it supports POP and IMAP protocols, which is kind of the basic email protocols that everybody uses. Now, why
0: was POP still important to you? Because that's kind of an old protocol, whereas IMAP is, is a more modern way of doing things.
2: Right, but um, Mac OS needs it, and the iOS email client needed it, so
0: huh because I haven't used it in I don't know ten years I haven't used any pop services <laughs> at, at least that I know oh. of maybe you know something oh. I don't know
2: well is- it, it, it was one of the things that when you add a new account to the Mac OS email client, it wants to know these pop Parameters hmm. and it's, it's a little hard to separate the two inside there because it's asking for the server and the port and oh. uh, I know why credentials.
0: You would, I know why you would be seeing that if you don't pick uh, a Gmail or an iCloud or a, a Microsoft email. Some the big the big ones those mm-hmm. auto populate for you with just the stuff that you do need. If you're doing it uh, to a specific provider that's not one of the big names, then you would see all of the bel- all of the switches that you need to uh, you need to flip in order to create that account. So it might be doing something right. under the hood for me that I never see because I go, uh Gmail, here, take all my right. mail. Read it.
2: <laughs> right, because it gives you those three or four top ones. But if you're none of those, you have to pick other, and then you have you're they ask you for more information because it's it's not assumed you have to specify it all
0: you have to be specific so what about uh any kind of import of like your contacts and address book
2: yeah that was important too that i would be able to like export from uh the old busted from the old yeah and also from the mac uh contacts lists you know they're all shared between my my mac and my ipad and my iphone and I would be able to export them and put them in the address book of the new provider, so that you know the addresses were all there. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay. So I wanted to do that, um, and also I wanted to make sure that encryption was was part of the package, that it would encrypt emails for me in transit, but also at rest on the server, so that when it's stored in wherever servers wherever they happen to be, that that's secure too. Now,
0: uh when, when it's at rest at the server side, were you was one of your criteria whether or not the provider had the encryption keys versus only you? Because I, I understand that Apple has the encryption keys so they can get you back in. It is encrypted at rest, but, uh, but uh, they actually can get into that data. I, I'm not positive on email. I know on messages it is. Um, did you go that deep into it?
2: I, I didn't really go that deep. And I just wanted okay. to know that it was an option.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. When, when you say back on importing the contacts, are you going to use uh, the the Mac address book as your, as your authoritative source, or are you going to be using the email provider as an address book also?
2: No, probably contacts in Mac OS and iOS will be my primary Okay. source of contact information.
0: Okay, but there are times you need to get it in in there, right?
2: Yeah, okay. cuz sometimes people send me emails that they're not in my contact list, but I need to respond to them, you know, some vendor or something or Right. Dr. Right. I haven't dealt with before.
0: So, well, uh what else is on the list? Uh,
2: let's see. The company's prior what what is the company's priority? What is their philosophy? Why are they doing this email service that they're doing and what what's the priority and what they provide. And and for me, it was important that their priority be privacy, no tracking and no sale of data. And if they said they had all three of those things, then they were in. They they only said one. I'm sorry, what they
0: got to be considered.
2: They got to be considered. Yeah. So I figured, you know, every company has some kind of statement. You know, this is our reason for being. And if this email provider said, okay, our reason for being is we want to provide you, you know, for a price, uh, privacy and no tracking and no sale of data, then if it's st- stated right up front, then we, I know it's important to them because they wouldn't make a public statement. Right. Not, so, not
0: that they just said it when a gun was
2: held to their head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it's buried somewhere in the terms and, and conditions. So. Right, right. Anything and, else? Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was important to me was, are, are they going to be responsive? If I had a problem, will they get back to me immediately? And I tested that by sending, by finding a question. Often I actually did have a question, but I, there's always like a contact email. So you send, well, what about this? And I wait, see how long like, before I got an answer. If I didn't get an answer in 24 hours, then we know they're not, I know they're not serious about customer support. Yeah. You know, they got someone that's coming in there every other day looking at it. You know, that might not be fast enough. So. Right. Right. That was important. And also I, I looked at reviews, um, independent reviewers, you know, just by Googling. Okay. Uh, OK. Just to see what they said. You know, they sometimes they brought up issues that I hadn't even considered. Like, well, yeah, it's important that that they be able to do this. And so. So that right, was another yeah. in, input point. So, so,
0: was that able? Were you able to narrow it down, or did you still have like seventy-five different services to choose from?
2: I narrowed it down to three, which actually were all very similar. And I think I gave you a list of what those three wa- three are. We're um, pretending
0: I don't have notes to look at, and that I'm just a brilliant interviewer. Remember? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I have no idea what she's going to talk about next.
2: Okay. <laughs> On, anyway, narrowed it down to three. They all happen to be located in Europe. Um, they're not all part of the EU, but one of them is, it's mail fence, it's in Belgium. So I know that my data is protected through GDPR, which which sounds like a good thing. It should be good. Um, the other two are Tutanota, which is in Germany, and Proton Mail, which is in Switzerland. And... Um, I realized that all three of those were, were very similar. Some of them had one part that was good and one criteria that was bad. And, you know, it got kind of got down to like, well, I could probably pick any of these and I'd probably be pretty happy. So I just kind of went, you know, eeny meeny that one. Okay. And it's worked out okay so far.
0: Okay. So you've made a decision and uh, is there anything before starting to just go?
2: Well, I mean, signing up is is pretty easy, but I wanted to to know, you know, how does this work? And without actually living with it, I wanted to get a feel for like, well, how does this new system operate? So I I wrote a test plan. Every time (laughs) I did a software development process, we had to write a test plan at the same time. And it does kind of make things... It kind of organizes things because now, you know, like, well, what am I looking for? What do I want to try? And if you stop and think about it, you think, well, gee, I might want to know how this works. So, okay. um, so yeah, so I went, to, I, I, there are a couple different, I wanted to go through in a certain, in a certain series. I had a system that I kind of thought I wanted to use, but I wanted to document it. So I had the test plan. So So, I started by signing up with, oh, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, can you walk us through the test plan?
2: Yeah. Well, the first thing was to sign up and the second thing was to go through all the setup options. What did they have? How did I want to configure the thing? You know, how did I want to get notifications? And part of that was reading the user's guide. So I understood what, how their interface worked and what options were available. And it turned up with this particular provider, a lot of the features were not available unless you um, bought the subscription. So oh, it was one okay. of those ones where service? you could, yeah, you could get a very limited email service for free for as long as you wanted. But if you wanted to get interesting stuff like filters and whitelists and and aliases, um, you had to pay. So I thought, well, okay, I'll buy a year and go ahead. Okay. And at that point, at that point, I was sending, e- I started sending emails back and forth. I have like four other emails, uh, email addresses um, that I was currently using, one, a couple are Gmail. And so from each of them, I'd send it to the new one. I'd send from the new one to any of those just to make sure, like, well, how do the notifications work? How easy it to go in through the website or through the through the email client and and get. And be able to read stuff and, and see that stuff came in. Um, one of the things I wanted to do was create an alias for bacon,
0: now, so that, what do you what do you mean when you say bacon?
2: Uh, it means emails I might want to look at but not critical that are coming from say, um, like next door. I belong to next door, and they're always sending stuff every day, and lost it's kind dog, of fun found to look dog, at lost yeah (laughs) so bacon is like
0: spam but you asked for it
2: yeah exactly thank you (laughs) so i wanted to see well can i get it so that i configure it so that the bacon all goes into this one folder and i can look at it when i've got a minute but if i don't look at it for three or four days it's not a big deal okay and i wanted to say well can i set that up can i make does it work so you're doing that
0: server side right Yes, you're setting up those rules. So then uh, are those are you also testing to see that that's reflected in the Apple Mail client on the phone and on the Mac?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, I kind of I jumped ahead a little bit there. But once I once I got the so the email provider I I used has a web interface. So you open a browser, you log in and you got all the stuff. But then I had to go configure the Mac OS email client so it would get emails. And it would show the new emails coming in, and I could test that things got sorted into the appropriate folders. And once I had the Mac working, then I did the iPhone and the iPad, get those set up, get those all configured, make sure I could send messages back and forth to everybody. I sent about 50 messages back and forth between (laughs) myself, and uh, it all seemed to work. You're not crazy at all. Oh, no. No. Is all in the test plan? If it's in the test plan, then.
0: Well, okay. It's then, not. It's, then it's perfectly Then it's okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then I did one test case where I think it was—I think it was next door. I changed it and said, "Okay, don't send my notifications. Don't send all these stuff to my old address. Send it to this new one." And waited a couple of days and said, "Yep, it's showing up where I want it to show up." Okay. Okay, good.
0: Just so it's, like it's running a, a a test run of everything to before you start actually moving things over.
2: Right. So at this point, if I wanted to back out, I could because the provider I, I selected had a thing where, like, if you cancel within thirty days, you get your subscription money back. Okay. okay. So it was like kind of stick my toe in the water, try a few things, see how it worked out, and then.
0: Um, I mean, you're practically ankle deep a, at this point, really.
2: Well, yeah the 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 uh, the water's rising and the. Swamp is sucking me in, but I'm liking it so far, so. Okay, good, good. So now, the
0: the thing that I think keeps a lot of people from ever changing is it just sounds exhausting to try to figure out every place that your email is that you want to keep. I mean, it, it's not exhausting when you think about all the uh, spam you want to stop getting, but when you think about all the different places you've put your email address that you would like it to be there, like you would like Amazon to tell you when your thing is shipping.
2: Right. How and it's text? not just it's not just Amazon. It's like all the government organizations um, that medical you have to hear stuff with, you know, and all the medical care stuff. And. Um, yeah, it's the rest I, stuff. I knew I had to be. I knew I had to be fairly rigorous with this to make sure like nobody got overlooked because some of these accounts they all log into once a year, right? So right. I might not remember them unless I had some way to to uh, to document it. So
0: now you're but organized. F- How did you attack that problem?
2: Well, I figured all my logins are in 1Password. So I figured, uh-huh. okay, that's a good start. I'll just I'll start from there. And so I poked around in 1Password, and I found there's a way to export all your logins, and all the data associated with them, including passwords, to a text file, either a comma separated or a tab separated.
0: Okay. And Does that sound like a good let's, idea let's, to, to export your passwords in plain text?
2: Uh, no, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> I put it on I, Dropbox. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put it on my website, you know, just so anyone could look at it. Um and actually, when you when you go through this through one password, it's file. You know, click file, click export. There's a big red sign saying, "Are you sure you want to put your passwords in an unsecured file?" Um, but fortunately, they let you select what rec what fields in each record get exported. Oh. And it turns out there's like 140 fields that they keep track of for every login, everything you have. Um, which you don't really need all of those. But the point is you can pick what you want to look at and you can delete passwords. So the passwords don't get exported, but you can export things like the title and the username and any notes you've entered in for it. And I use tags to, to keep my login sorted so I can export that too. So I, so all the ones that have to do with shopping, you know, they get all, I can sort those all together and deal with those as a, as a group. So I know this isn't all
0: about me, but I just went to file export and it immediately was ready to write it to my disk in one of those three file formats. How do you get it to say don't or to select which records to export?
2: There's two, um, two check boxes. One is, is basic. And the other is I think advanced. And that's under so export? It's all fields. You say, you say file export and you get a little pop-up window. Yeah. There there's, there's two radio buttons. One says basic and one says all fields. And then below that is a text box with all the fields that it's going to export.
0: I don't have anything like that. I don't have any options. I see a standard um, file dialogue box. I've got file name tags. It's offering to tell me where to put it and then file format. uh, The one password interchange format, comma, delimited text or tab delimited text. And the next thing it's going to do is save. Is it after that that it asks you which fields? Or maybe uh, that's something you set up ahead of time. Wait a minute. I'm trying to keep talking while she's working because I figure this is going to catch her by, uh, maybe maybe it's under, if you did selected items instead of all items?
2: I'll export all items. Okay. And then your master password.
0: Right, I did that. And at that point I have the, just go ahead and
2: squirt it all out. Uh, then I select CSV. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's not
0: until you go to CSV that you get to choose it.
2: Right. If you leave it in the,
0: no, that's good. That's good though. So if you leave it in the one password interchange format, it's going to, it's going to squirt everything out.
2: Yeah. It doesn't let you. Specific
0: fields. Then you can say like by default notes, password, title, type URL and username. I can get rid of password and now it won't have that.
2: Yeah, if you just click on it and hit delete, then it goes away. Yeah, okay. But when click they, click when on they, all fields, and you can see that there's, like, a
0: lot. A bazillion of them. Oh, holy yeah. cow. <laughs> wow, that's bananas. So one thing people yeah. can do is, uh, with Disk Utility, you can create a um, an encrypted disk image that you put a strong password on and then export this file into that encrypted disk image. And that way, if you are nervous about having all this data out there and even without the password you would be able to uh, to keep that protected of course you'd have to store the password to that encrypted disk image in your one password and then your head's going to explode and how meta it is
2: (laughs) yeah i think you're going to have some circular feedback thing going on and the universe will end but (laughs) um, i did not know this was
0: in here i had never seen this i mean it seems like a perfectly logical thing to do that's excellent. Okay. Yeah, I, th-
2: I think I just sort of stumbled onto it. But once I had all the data in a in a CSV file, I could import it into Excel and now I had my spreadsheet. So I'm oh, I'm good to go.
0: Now we're comfortable.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and with that I could I can add it extra column. So I put another column to say, okay, what's here's the old email address, the old username, here's what the new one's going to be. And, and then and like I a
0: checkbox to say I did this one done.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um So that just gave me all the stuff to, to, um, to update. But the other thing by showing me like everything, I mean, everything that was in there, I could, I could pick out accounts that maybe needed to be deleted stuff that just kind of got put in there a long time ago. I forgot about it. Mm. And, um, like, There was a patient portal to my old doctor that I hadn't seen in like five years. Well, I'm never going to go back and see that doctor. I don't need that patient portal there. Right, right. Just mark it to be deleted.
0: Okay, so then you would... uh, But it's hard to delete yourself from a system, right? I assume you mean delete it from 1Password?
2: No, I meant delete it from their system. Oh. So that login doesn't work anymore. And sometimes this is where things get kind of complicated because if you go into like my account or settings or profile or manage account, sometimes there's a little thing at the bottom that says delete account. Well, that's great. You click it and you follow the instructions and hopefully you're gone. But a lot of logins don't have that. Right. It's just not an option. So um, I had to find the, you know, like, technical support or
0: contact us contact
2: us oh, wow. yeah say I want to delete and and they said yeah you're deleted and you had so, to just trust them right I had to trust them yeah so you had a couple so, of
0: columns going on in this spreadsheet that you added like okay I've moved this one over or I've deleted this one so you could keep track of what you were finished with
2: yes I put the date of the update so I could figure remember like what order I did them in sent them and an email whatever yeah yeah. And I had, I had sort of classified things like these are the really important ones, like the, the government ones and the doctor ones and the credit cards and the banking. Those are all what, what Bart calls the crown jewels. And so I've kind of kind of been working from the bottom, like these I don't care about. I'm going to do them first and see what happens and kind of work my way up to the more oh, that's important ones.
0: I would have thought you'd do the important ones first, but you're right. If you're testing a process, you want to start with the least important ones.
2: Yeah, I was going to start with the more important ones. And I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't jump in up to my neck just yet. I'll just.
0: Uh, Let's go to sneakers first.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So. All right. So uh, uh, can I ask you, and you don't have to answer this if this is too personal of a question. How many line items are we talking about you had to deal with? Was this 300? Was it 12?
2: It was 142. Holy cow. Yeah, I, but I, then as I was as I was going through this process, I realized, you know, there's a lot of people that know my email or that email me that I don't necessarily have a login for like my vet. My oh. vet sends me test reports by email, oh. but I don't have a login with them. Um, that's right. Uh, and my doctor, I mean, there's a patient portal, but that's separate from the actual doctor. So if my doctor wants to send me like a note or something or some article that she thinks is interesting, you know, she needs to know the new stuff too. So I'm trying to, as I think of these things, I make a note. So I have a separate list of other people that need notifications.
0: Wow. Can, um, so, when, when I moved, um Steve's parents lived in a um, community where they got a, they got their first internet access and they set up their very first email accounts and they were with their ISP. So it was like at Comcast.net or something like that. And so when they moved, they weren't going to have Comcast anymore. So I, I knew they were planning on moving. They were starting to work out a plan of what they were going to do about a year in advance. So I convinced them to move to Gmail before they did that so that they would have a full year of maybe losing track of people. You know, They could kind of keep both going at the same time. And what I discovered was that they were able. I was able to set up a uh, a forwarding service from their old email to their new email and when they replied it would be from the new email did you do anything like that any kind um, of forwarding
2: you might actually end up with all the I, spam <laughs> i did I ha- i have not investigated that no i'm not sure that my old provider will would do, do that like that okay yeah yeah
0: Something to think about just for those, I mean, you know, you're like, I mean, you don't want your brothers to be able to email you. So you wouldn't tell them, but I mean, there might be people like me who would want to tell your new email address to, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of like, I'll I'll have to keep the old email probably for another year. Just go through it periodically and say, Oh, I better tell this person. I better tell that person as they, as they uh, talk to me. So.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. So what, uh, so then you're you're
2: done. That's all there was to it, or is there more? Uh, oh, there's always more. <laughs> but I've I've run into a couple pro- problems. I'm about uh, two thirds done of changing uh, logins over, and every single login is different. Where the the changes, where you, where you change it, how you change it, does it verify? Does it not verify? And there's some that says no. This is your, this is the email you use. This is now your username forever. And no, we're not going to let you change it. So I have to kind of mark those as I go. And I I may have to go back and contact their tech support and say, okay, this is what I want to do. Please do this for me.
0: Yeah. That's, um, gosh. So you will have to contact every one of those by, by hand, huh?
2: Yeah. There's probably a dozen of them, I think at this point. But the other thing is some some logins, they have your email address for contacting and then you have a separate username. So sometimes they're the same thing, sometimes they're not. And when you have a separate username, sometimes you can change it, sometimes you're not. But I wanted to change my usernames at the the same time because I was changing everything else. And a lot of security experts say you should use different usernames. Just like you use unique password, you should have unique usernames so that it's easier for, it's, it's harder for people to track you through the internet if you've got a different username everywhere.
0: Oh, you sound like George from Tulsa. He's always telling me that.
2: <laughs> Is he? Well, he's a smart guy. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: darn. But
2: it. If, you can't, if, you, if they don't let you change it, then what do you do? Right. So, so that must, um, that's the issue.
0: That must create for you a, um, An interesting question. Do you now start to create unique usernames for every
2: website? Well, ideally, I probably should, but I'm not quite doing that. Yeah. I kind of have like, I have like five that I think I use.
0: Okay. I mean, that sounds Uh, really over the top, right? (laughs) We're just trying to, we're just trying to beat the guy that doesn't have the tennis shoes on being chased by the tiger, right?
2: (laughs) Right. Yes. So just don't be the low-hanging fruit.
0: Right, right. Yeah.
2: So I, I think having run into these problems, I'm going to have to make a couple passes through this list. Like I'll make the a first pass, and I'll do all the ones that are easy to do, and then I'll note the problems, and I'll just take each one at a time. And I know if I send in a request to do something, it's probably going to take two or three days before they get back to me and actually do something. So this is going to take a while. <laughs> But I I think setting, setting
0: short-term goals like that is good, right? Where you're just like, you're going to do just like a few a day, right? Just because otherwise you'll never do it again. If you sit down and try to do 30 in a single day, then you'll procrastinate for 10 days anyway. You might as well just bite off a few each day.
2: Yeah, actually. And that's working pretty well because I can do, I don't know, two or three in about half an hour. So I got half an hour between jobs or appointments or whatever, yeah, I just sit down and do a couple, make a note, and I actually was surprised when I counted them up yesterday that I was as far through as I as I was. All so, right, very cool. There is a light at the there is a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> I
0: I will let everybody know I had not made the cut. She did not tell me her new email to address, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure you'll get. Uh, well, actually, you haven't even addressed telling people, right? You no, got to I tell That's true. Do you have a list of who's going to make the cut?
2: (laughs) Um, Look how she backpedals right now. (laughs) I I don't have a list at all. (laughs) Um,
0: No, no, Allison. I haven't told anybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have this uh, family gift exchange. It's all done through emails. And I started at the beginning of November kind of like recruiting people and and telling people who they're giving to and everything. And I was, it kind of went through my mind. Well, should I switch everybody over to the new system now? Or maybe I should just stay on the old system, which works just fine. And they can start using the new stuff next year. So yeah, it's it's
0: too hard at the end of the year. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. I I look forward to my, my invitation someday to be allowed to email you.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right.
0: (laughs) <laughs> this is uh this has really been interesting i think uh, you know your approach to it i think will give people a good idea of some maybe people won't be quite as rigorous as what you've done but i think it's uh, there's definitely some meat in here for just about anybody to start looking at a better way to go through a process like this so that was that was really interesting and finding out that uh, that stuff about one password that's probably the biggest nugget for me so uh, thank you very much for sharing your uh, your ideas here
2: well, oh, you're welcome. I think the the one thing that should come out of this is it looks overwhelming. But like you said, you break it into small enough pieces and and it can be done. So,
0: yeah. Well, if you guys want to follow Dorothy, I think probably the best place is she's usually lurking around either in the uh, live chat room on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time. She's one of the friendly and enthusiastic Silica Castaways. And uh, you're often over in Slack uh, sniping around in uh, programming by stealth, I think. Right.
2: That's true. Yes. I keep an eye on on Slack. Yes.
0: All right. Well, thanks. Thanks again for being on the show, Dorothy. Well, thank you for having me. It was great to be here. I love that discussion. That was so much fun. Dorothy doesn't do things the same as I do, but it's always interesting talking to her about the way she does things. So I really liked it. But that's going to wind us up for this week. Don't forget to send in your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions. Compliments for Dorothy and Frank to allison at podfeet.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Podfeet, and remember, everything good starts with Podfeet.com. You want to become a patron of the Podfeet podcast? Podfeet.com/slash/Patreon. Want to join our Slack community? That's Podfeet.com/slash/Slack. Want to join our Facebook group? Podfeet.com/slash/Facebook. You want to give a donation through through PayPal, like the awesome Michael did? Podfeet.com/slash/PayPal. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, head on over to Podfeet.com/slash/live. Normally on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time, but not next week. Maybe on Saturday if you guys beg and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nozilla Castaways. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.